questions into the chat form, they can. Um, and then we will, if there's time, answer those at the end. So I see, Fiona, you've started the recording, so we'll make a start, eh? Okay, let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. And welcome to the Southern Species, well, saving our Southern Species online field trip with the Wildlife Hospital Dunedin. Ko Shelley Toko Ingoa, your learns kaiarahi on this field trip. And a big welcome to everyone this morning, and especially our expert, Jordana, from the Wildlife, look, the Wildlife Hospital, Dunedin. Big welcome. Um, Jordana, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about the mahi that you do? Sure. Good morning, everybody. Morena. Um, so, I, I, so, of course, you know by now that I work with the Wildlife Hospital in Dunedin, and our uh, core work is making sure that we're fixing up sick and injured native animals that need a little bit of extra help. Um, and of course, you met some of those in the field trip. Um, so some of the species that we work with are really endangered. There maybe aren't that many left in the wild and they all need a, a little bit of extra help. So it's, it's um, something that we're really proud of and we're really privileged to be able to do. Fantastic. And a huge welcome to our listening schools and of course our speaking school Redwood School from Tawa in Wellington. Great to have you with us this morning and thank you for providing us with such quality questions for us to get our teeth into this morning. So we filmed this field trip last year in mid-Novemberish and that was a really good time for us to follow the activities of the Wildlife Hospital in Otiputi Dunedin because it was the hoi ho chick season. So we got to see cute little hoi ho chicks and see how they're treated at the hospital and find out a bit more about why they so often end up in hospital. And hopefully you too have had a chance to have a look at those videos and you know some of the threats that those penguins face and some of the other mahi that the hospital does. So if you haven't had a chance, do check out those videos. Um, it's been a real pleasure putting those together for you because I'm a local Utiputi girl from way back, born in Dunedin and returned to Dunedin. So it's it's been great to be able to share this field trip with you. So without further ado, we'll get into our questions. Um, Redwood School, if you can make sure you're nice and close to the microphone so we can hear you um, and unmute that microphone. And we'll have your first question, please. You're welcome. Kia we are Room 19 from Redwood School in Tower, Wellington. We have been focusing on the living world, looking at lots of different things that change and grow. We have investigated bugs, planted seeds, explored native wildlife, and now we are exploring microorganisms and conducting a scientific investigation. Our first question is... Your Honour, my name is Charlie Woods. What is the most common sickness or problem you have at the hospital? More time, big clear voice. Not oh, thank you. What is the most common? Jordana, did you get that question? Yep. So I think it was the most common sickness or problem that we see in our patients at the Wildlife Hospital. Um, so it's it, 
Kind of, there's a few things actually. Um, so it will depend a little bit on the species and it will depend a little bit on the season. But if I had to group it together into the most common things that we see, um, one would be starvation. So we do get quite a few patients that are underweight um, for various reasons. Um, so it could be things that are happening at sea, for example, in seabirds, um, like penguins having trouble finding enough food, uh, which could be because there are things change, things changing out in the ocean. Um, for example, we've had what's called a marine heat wave. So the water temperatures this summer have been really, really warm off of the Otago coast. And that changes how the fish move, it changes where they are, and it means that the penguins might be having a little bit more trouble finding enough food to eat. Um, and sometimes it's things like um, there's a something, you know, if we have big storms like there were on the North Island, um, the rivers will get really silty. So there's a lot of like debris and, and mud and that kind of thing in the rivers that gets washed out to sea. And then penguins and other seabirds might have trouble actually seeing their prey. Like they might have trouble seeing fish in the really cloudy water. And it means they might not get enough to eat. Um, or sometimes it's things like maybe they're just really young, maybe they're fledglings or juveniles, and they just don't have the, the experience to catch the food as, um, as well as some of the adults. So they might need a little bit of help to get um, a bit of a feed before they can go back um, out into the wild. Uh, and then the second, so starvation is really common in seabirds, for example, and then uh, in other, um, other patients, like our forest bird patients, we get trauma, which means there's been some kind of a, maybe an accident, um, like they've been hit by a car or they've flown into windows, for example. Um, we don't always know what, what's caused their trauma, but sometimes those injuries are um, pretty clear. Yeah, so multiple issues that are leading to injuries and sickness in our, our native animals. So a lot to, to deal with. So a very important role that the hospital has. Thanks, Jordana. And thanks, Redwood School, for that intro and the, the great question to get us underway with. And we'll go to question number two now, please. Hi, my name is Natigna. And my question is, what is the most endangered species you've treated at the hospital? Ah, good question. Thanks, Natika. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the the m many of the animals that we treat, in fact, most of them do have a threatened or an endangered status. Um, but it, it definitely, in terms of the most endangered, that would have to be the southern New Zealand dotterel, which is also known uh, as a tuturifatu, which is a, a a pretty big name for a little bird. Um, so the they're only about a hundred and twenty seven. I'll say it again, 127 of those birds left in the whole world. So they are endemic to New Zealand, which means that they are only found here in New Zealand. Um, and, and unfortunately, there's only yeah, very few of them left. They all live pretty much on Rakura Stewart Island. And one of the reasons that there are so few of them is because there is a feral cat problem on Rakura. And the um, the southern dotterel nests on the ground, so they're really really vulnerable to those cats. Um, it was pretty it was pretty exciting for us to be able to treat a, a new southern New Zealand dotterel um, as you know none of us had ever met one before because there are so few of them, um, and it's just um, no, nobody had ever had one of them at a vet clinic or at a vet hospital before. So we weren't sure if it would if it would be um, really stressed out in hospital, but thankfully we were able to fix it and send it back out. Really, really important when you only have 127 of them. Yeah, boy, talk about every patient counts when you've only got that fewer number left. 
And um, I've seen lots of photos and things of kākāpō that have been treated at the hospital. So we're talking about a species here that is more endangered than our beloved kākāpō. So that kind of puts it into perspective. Another great question. And question number three now, please. Hi, my name is Tilly. What made you start caring about the environment and New Zealand's native animals? Thanks, Tilly. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I have always loved animals from the time when I was really young. Um, I actually remember in, I think it would be the equivalent of year three, uh, I researched and wrote a little book about gorillas. And then I passed around a can to all of my classmates and collected spare change um, so that I could send money for a gorilla conservation program. Uh, and then the teacher put my teacher put the book on the bookshelf with all the other books um, about everything else. And I think that's that's actually maybe I was foreshadowing what I was going to do for my career. Um, so I've always loved animals. I've always had pets and I've always spent a lot of time outside. Um, and I didn't I didn't grow up in New Zealand. So when I moved here, um, I was really quite excited about especially penguins and sea lions. Um, the place that I grew up is about. 30 hours drive to the nearest ocean so to move to Dunedin and live so close to the ocean was really exciting for me and I just fell in love with the wildlife here and and really wanted to get involved. Wow and you might have just inspired some some young people to move to uh, far reaches of the globe to be able to help gorillas. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you never know. Cool. Thank you and the next question please. Hi, my name is Mila. What are, um, what are some of the skills you need to be a veterinarian? Ah, good question. Yeah, I should say I'm not a veterinarian, but I work with veterinarians. Um, so I had a little bit of a um, discussion with them about sort of the kinds of things that um, they think are important. Obviously, you have to do a lot of school to, to be a vet. You have to get a lot of training. Um, but that's um, that's true of a lot of different careers. But I think for veterinarians, obviously, passion for creatures, all creatures, um, great and small, is really probably the most important thing. Um, and I think also having really good problem-solving skills is quite important. Um, in, in particular, our patients can't tell us what's wrong with them. So you, you, the vets have to, have to be able to um, basically be an animal detective to understand what's happening with a patient and to, to try to understand um, exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. Um, science is actually, of course, quite important for veterinarians in terms of their training, but I think it's really just as important to have, a, um, to be really curious about the world around you and be really curious about animals and how they work and how they move in their environment. Um, and just, just wanting to find out more about how they work. Um, the more you find out about how they work, the, the easier it is to help them. Excellent, thank you. And I think we've got a few more questions. How many animal habitats do you have in your facilities? Ah, good question. You might have seen some of the different ones in the videos. Yeah, you've seen you've seen a little bit of our um, our facility. So we have we have three wards. So we have three rooms that where we treat um, our patients. So we have the seabird ward, forest bird ward, and the intensive care ward. And then there uh, is also outside, we have a therapy pool area. 
and a small aviary, which is um, for birds to fly around in. Um, and then within those spaces, we have a lot of options. Um, you may have seen from, from the um, field trip that we have a lot of different types of patients, a lot of different types of animals that come in, and they all have slightly different requirements. So we have to be really adaptable with our spaces and how we use them. Um, so a good example, Shelly had mentioned that we take care of kakapo sometimes. Um, so for kakapo and takehe, uh, we actually give them a whole room. So we have to fill that room with branches and um, and leaves and plants and things that um, they have. So they have lots of space and places to hide and things to eat and interact with, for example. Um, we also do uh, make sure that we fill the spaces with enrichment. So it's things to keep uh, our patients interested and occupied uh, and not bored, not too bored in hospital. Um, so Kia and Kaka, for example, we give them lots of enrichment, um, like branches and things like we make things out of cardboard for them so that they can they can play with them and tear them apart and destroy them. Um, otherwise, they get really bored. Um, and things like with our seabirds, um, we, we put them in the pool to go swimming if they're well enough and we spray them with with um, salt water to help up keep up their waterproofing and that kind of thing. Um, uh, and we also have uh, a bunch of heat lamps. So if we ever get reptiles like tuatara or geckos, that we can make sure that it's nice and warm for them. So we have loads of equipment on hand to turn any of our wards or any of our enclosures into just the right space for our patients. Yeah, and really interesting to hear about that enrichment because I don't know about you, but when I'm bored, it's just not pretty. So yeah, I can see why that would be an important part of trying to care for a bird while it's in, in hospital or an animal of some sort. When a Thank when you. a parrot gets bored, they start getting into trouble. So we have to I keep bet. them keep their minds occupied. <laughs> yes. And next question, please. Do you treat every animal, or are there some animals they can't treat? For example, if they are too big or too dangerous. Another good question. Thank you. Yeah, really good. Um, well, thankfully, most of um, the species that we see down here in the south of the South Island are generally pretty safe to work with and generally not too huge. Um, there are some exceptions to that. Um, so in, in Dunedin, we have uh, quite a few New Zealand sea lions, and those can weigh up to 500 kilos. So you can imagine it would be pr pretty tricky to transport a 500 kilo animal um, into the hospital. Um, so we we can't really manage that. Um, so we we have had a sea lion pup, so a baby sea lion in the hospital because he was quite small. That was fine. Um, we've also had an adult fur seal in hospital. And sometimes people get seals and sea lions confused, but fur seals are much, much smaller. So that one was about the size of a large dog. So we could have her in hospital. Um, but for, for the adult sea lions, we have equipment that allow us to go out into the fields to treat them. Um, so for example, we have a portable anesthetic machine. So we can take that with us to sedate uh, a sea lion. Um, and that in terms of safety, that is one animal that we that definitely has to be sedated before we can work on it. Um, they're just too big and too powerful. So we definitely need to make them sleepy to be safe. Um, but then there are also some birds actually that are really huge. Like we, we have just recently had a Southern Royal Albatross in hospital and that was an adult. And that is a, that is a massive bird. It takes up a whole enclosure just sitting there. 
Um, and normally that's the kind of animal that we would also go and treat out in the fields um, because they get quite stressed out in hospital. Um, uh, but that that one was a little bit a little bit different. Um, now, the one thing that we definitely can't treat in hospital is uh, a, a totally aquatic marine species. Like if there was a dolphin, for example, that needed some help, we can't transport that into hospital. So we certainly would try um, to, to help it in the in the fields, as it were. Um, but we ha haven't yet been asked to do that, but it would be pretty cool. Um, but there are actually also some species that you maybe wouldn't think of as dangerous. Um, so for example, um, a harrier hawk, a kahu. You, you're not afraid of a kahu. I mean, that's just a bird that's flying around. Um, but in the hospital environment, when you're handling it, it has really, really sharp talons on the bottom of its feet. And those can be quite dangerous. So you, we just have to find ways to make it safe for us to work with those animals. Um, and one of the ways we do that um, is with towels, actually, quite a lot is we'll wrap our patients in towels to make sure that they can't get us with their claws or they can't flap their wings around and smack us in the face. Um, or there's sometimes seabirds that have really sharp beaks, really, really sharp beaks. They're made for um, catching and, and pulling apart fish. Uh, they're quite strong and they're very fast. And so we have to be careful of our eyes when we're handling those patients. So we do things like wearing eye protection, for example. Um, so yeah, we we, there's nothing too dangerous for us, but we make sure that we make everything really safe for our um, staff members. Yeah, and I was quite interested that the uh, penguin rangers had adapted <laughs> these neoprene sleeves, like sleeves off a wetsuit, to protect their arms from the flippers of penguins who are like yeah. kung fu artists and want to. Yeah, I have chop I have a lot of scars arms. on my forearms from penguins, so the neoprene sleeves are definitely a good idea. <laughs> bit of body armor yeah because I don't think a lot of these animals want to be handled um, and don't know that it's for their own good that's right I mean they're wild animals and we th that is that's the correct response for them to be angry at us for getting close to them and touching them um, you're right they don't know we're trying to help but it's um <laughs> yeah we we don't hold it against them absolutely and I think we've got one more question from Redwood School this morning Hello, my name is Zeke. We have been investigating bugs and insects, and some of us had created a bug hospital for our class and school. Have you ever tried helping an insect or bug at your hospital? Oh, that's really cool. Question. I love that you've made a bug hospital. Um, but yeah, bugs are super fascinating and they're really, really important part of our ecosystem. So I think they're often kind of overlooked for things that are like bigger or cuter or whatever, um, which is a shame. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, we actually have, we have tried to help. Um, somebody brought once brought us a, a native butterfly that had a little tear in its wing and it couldn't fly. So they found it, I think on the ground um, on, the, on a footpath and it's, we, we had to do a bit of research about what we might have been able to do to help it because that was the first time we'd ever had a, a patient like that. Um, it's un, Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot we could do for the torn uh, wing. Um, we just really tried to keep the butterfly as comfortable as possible. Um, so actually, if, if you have any tips from your bug hospital that you could share with us, we would appreciate that. If you find something that works for butterflies or other insects, we would love to hear about that. 
Yeah, because that that sort of leads me to the um, the point, Jordana, that you were you were just treating animals. You, you're not really involved in their rehabilitation, are you? Yeah, very rarely. So we we work with people like you met Nick Horing, uh, who works with Keredu, for example, on the field trip. Um, so we are a hospital. So once the once an, a patient is um, doesn't need um, veterinary care around the clock, they're well enough to go to the to the rehabbers. Then they get they uh, are discharged from the hospital. Fantastic, thank you. And of course, you can find out more by having a good look through the field trip and the Google Earth tour. Um, no doubt there are some other questions that people have um, if they oh, want. Sorry, to can ask. I just say one more thing from behalf of Redwood, please? Oh, you certainly can, yes. On behalf of Room 19, thank you for taking the time to answer all of our questions and helping us learn further about your wildlife hospital and how we can care for our native animals. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I have a question for you guys, actually. Um, because of all the mahi that you've done. Um, what are some of the most interesting things that you've you've learned on this journey about, about wildlife? You might want to have a bit of a think about that first, but um, yeah, feel free to chip in with something interesting that you have learned. Okay, Tyson, I'll come to you. Um, I did a big presentation on beetles, and I learned a bunch of facts. Like, um, blue blue beetles have wings, but they can't fly. Rainbow beetles can reflect light to be transparent for a little bit. Giraffe giraffe beetles have um have about a seven up seven inches. They have a neck so long they it's seven inches. And, Anyone else have something that awesome. they can? You've learned about so many different species. Well done. Um, I learned that uh, um, they can walk on water because of their like skull, I think, and the air bubbles trapped in their um body. <laughs> cool. We've also done a lot of reading this week about ecologists and data loggers. And what do you remember what the other technology that the ecologists used was called, Louis? Argo floats, yeah. Fascinating. You guys are awesome. You've been right into we're it. About, we're about to start a scientific investigation looking at the place in Redwood School that perhaps needs a bit of cleaning due to some microorganisms, whether they are good or bad, we haven't established yet, but we're going to be getting out the agar plates and um, going on that journey very soon. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, because... I guess that's what you realise when you start looking into something is that you probably don't know as much as you think you do and that you need to do a bunch of research over a, a bit of a longer period of time to really figure out what's going on. Good stuff. I'd really love to hear how that goes, by the way. It'd be great if you could share that. Oh, yeah. Okay, can I, so... Can I just um, say something there, Shelley? That's yep, so exciting. Sure. Yeah, and we would love to see anything that you've done it would be wonderful to um, know what you've done and celebrate your learning. So I'm just going to put in the chat, share with Shelley and her email address, um, teachers. We would love to see um, what you've done and share that with Jordana as well. Thanks. Yep, that's my email address there. So feel free to send me stuff, even if it's 
way later in the year. It'll be great to hear how that goes. So we've got a question here. How many animals do you treat in a week? I imagine that varies quite a lot, Jordana. Yeah, definitely changes from week to week. Um, some weeks we can admit, you know, 30 patients, some weeks maybe three or three to five. Um, so summer is our busiest time, definitely. Uh, we get lots more patients in the summer. Um, so last year, just to give you an idea, in 2022, we had uh, 624 patients throughout the year. So it's it's a pretty busy place. Mm, indeed. And a question here about how your hospital is funded. Ooh, there might be question. some people that want to help out with this. Yep. Um, so we are a charity, so we do um, rely on donations and grants and sponsorships. So we get money from a few local businesses uh, in Dunedin, as well as the Dunedin City Council helps us with some funding. Um, DOC has occasionally given us grants to help work with our patients. Um, and then there's groups that do fundraisers for us. Um, sometimes classrooms will do fundraisers for us or service clubs like Rotary or Scouts, for example. Um, and yeah, we sometimes we we have to get clever because, um, you know, our patients can't pay any kind of hospital bills. So we do rely on the community to help us support support the work we do. Yeah, and if you've investigated the Google Earth toy, you'll see that the hospital is part of the Otago Polytechnic. So vet nurses can um, do some training through the hospital and the Polytech provides the, the building. So it's a bit of a community effort to keep the hospital going, really. But it would be fantastic if you wanted to do a bit of a fundraiser yourselves and help out in some way. And we've got a few more questions here. Yeah, uh, one being, what is the oldest and youngest animal in the hospital? I don't know if you keep records about the age of your patients. Yeah, that's 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 a cool question, and I actually I I can absolutely answer that. Um, so the youngest patient, and I I'm I'm not actually sorry, I don't recall if we met these patients uh, on the field trip, but um, this over the summer we actually incubated and hatched hoi ho or yellow eye penguin chicks in hospital, so we had. Uh, I don't know how old you would say um, a chick inside of an egg would be. I don't know if that's zero days or, um, you know, how, how old, I guess you can go by the age of the egg. Um, but yeah, we had, we had uh, essentially animals that weren't even um, in the world yet. Uh, so quite, quite young and then had them from, from the first day they hatched. Um, and then the oldest patient, um, Oh, actually, yeah, I actually do know the answer to that. Um, it was um, a Kia uh, called Rotoroa, and he was 34 years old. 34 years old. Might even wow. be older than your teacher. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty, they're quite long-lived parrots. Um, and we have had plenty of kakapo, and we don't actually know how old all of the kakapo are. Um, so some of them were um, pulled out of uh, uh, off of Rocky or Stewart Island or out of Fjordland to be to be put on safe predator free islands, uh, and they don't know how old they were when they did that. Um, they're thought to maybe live eighty to hundred years old, so we could have had some quite old kakapo in hospital as well. Cool, thank you. And how many workers do you have at the hospital? And have, how old do you need to be to work there? Oh, okay. So we have, uh, in terms of our staff, we have six 
uh, vet team staff so that we have three wildlife veterinarians and we have three wildlife vet nurses. And you met Emily, who is one of who's one of our vet nurses. And then I'm the seventh person on the staff. Um, we, in terms of volunteering in the hospital, we have a, a minimum requirement of age 16 to work to to volunteer with us in hospital. And we don't have um, we don't have an age requirement for our staff. They just would have to have the appropriate training. Uh, one of our vet nurses, uh, I think, when when she came on board, was twenty two, so quite young. Fantastic. And do we have any other questions there this morning? Ah, good question here. Do, do staff ever stay overnight? I guess when they've got particular patients in need overnight, they'd have to, wouldn't they? So we do sometimes have um, overnight shifts. Uh, they they might not, they don't necessarily sleep at the hospital or stay up all night, um, but they'll come back to the hospital at certain times. So for example, when we are hand raising cockapoo chicks, they have to be fed every four to six hours, depending on how old they are. And that includes the middle of the night. They're, they're nocturnal animals. They don't care what time it is. Um, so we have staff that are assigned to the night shift. So they'll come in at two in the morning, three in the morning, five in the morning, whatever time it is that they need to, to be there to prepare all of the food. Um, it can be really, really exhausting, but it's also really rewarding. Yeah, I bet. And we've probably got time for only one or two questions more, but this is a great question, which I'm really interested to hear the answer. In, and that is, what do you enjoy most about your job? Oh, so many things. <laughs> That's really hard. I have um, what I think I have a really cool job, a really exciting job. Um, I think probably for me, the most exciting thing is actually knowing that we're making a really positive difference for some really rare animals that are at risk. So for me personally, um, because one of the first um, species that I fell in love with in New Zealand was the yellow-eyed penguin, um, to know that we can really make a huge difference helping those chicks get through a vulnerable time and helping adults when they they come up with shark bites or um, you know eye injuries or what have you, that that's really exciting for me and really special and it makes me feel like I'm I'm making a difference um so yeah that's that's got to be the best part for me and there's lots of other cool things too because I do love getting to meet all of the rare animals as well indeed thanks Jordana um I don't know that we've got any other questions but they were fantastic quality questions that everybody's had this morning so thank you so much for that and if you've got other burning questions, you can join us again on Friday morning, same time, same link, um, and ask more of those questions. And we've got a couple of different speaking schools joining us on Friday as well. So there'll be a bunch of different questions that you can hear the answers to. And of course, this session will be recorded that you can access later. So thank you very much, everybody, for making the time to join us this morning. And a big thank you to Jordana from the Wildlife Hospital, Dunedin. Keep up that great mahi doing a Thanks really everybody. good job. Thank you. And I yeah. hope everybody has a great day. And now we can all say goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 And that brings our Learns Web Conference to an end. Namahi nui.
Alrighty. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. And we'll see you back on Friday.